Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. It is Wednesday, April 4th, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am here with Steve Say. Hello. Bob Ryer. Buenos dias. And Stephanie Cook. Hi. So we have um, some really good stuff for you today. We're going to be talking about um, Avengers vs. X-Men number one. Uh, we're also going to be talking a little bit about the new Marvel Universe block on Disney XD. And of course, we'll be doing our books of the week. But before we get to that, um, we did a little conning this weekend. Indeed. Not so much, you know, like Sawyer from Lost conning, more like going to a <laughs> convention. <laughs> yes. Um, Steve, Bob, and myself went to Icon 31 here on Long Island. And um, Stephanie, you were at Emerald City Con in Seattle. It's true, I was. So we'll get to the less exciting one first, which is our con to talk about. (laughs) Um, So that's here on Sony Brook. And um, this is the first time Steve and I have gone. Yes. Ever. Um, But Bob, you've been going for a long time. 25 years. 25 years. So why don't you tell everybody what the con is all about and kind of what it is now as compared to what it used to be. Sure. Well, where we began back in the early 80s, uh, Stony Brook University, it's a state college on a huge campus. And... It originally was one building, dealer's room, all the the guests in that Javits building in the back, Mm -hmm. and comics, science fiction, authors from the 30s, 40s, 50s, and monster movie things. And it just kept growing and growing and changing as the years have gone on. So it's it's adapted itself through television, science fiction, and Star Trek, and all the rest of it now into gaming and cosplay and anime and manga. This was a lot of Doctor Who this year. Yeah, that was a lot of Doctor Who. Um, it is it is always interesting, and it's a mixture of real science, uh, I mean, rocketry and planetary stuff. They, there used to be a, quite a bit of medieval things for a while, but mm. they sort of banned swordplay on the campus after <laughs> September 11th, as if, you know... Al-Qaeda was showing up with broadswords and chainmail to fight on the lawn. I saw somebody actually get their weapon tagged that they put one of those like zip cord things oh, around yeah. it and they mm-hmm. had to um they had to surrender the weapon to the people in charge of the con. Like they weren't ar- allowed to walk around with it and I'd seen people walking around with weapons that were 3 to 4 times the size of this oh, thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were the, it was it was so ridiculous. Well, did right? you see the Aquaman no. He came in with, they were taking people's little knives away and making sure they were peace bonded to their hips. Guy comes in dressed as classic Aquaman with a four foot tall trident. <laughs> and they just let him go. Was he with Mera? No, all by himself. Uh, not Aqualad or anything, or, or, or not riding a seahorse. <laughs> Poor lonely king of the sea. Yeah. And, and there was some other kid who was doing a, uh, a battlefield baseball thing, I think, you know, he's, or, or maybe from the Warriors. Mm-hmm. They let him in with a baseball bat. 
<laughs> it was wandering around with an aluminum softball bat. Okay. And I him, saw a few him, of those. Him, they let go. <laughs> uh, but it's now you guys, it was your first show. What was your impression going in? And then what was the reality? Um, well, the, I've only ever been to video game conventions other than this. Um, so, and I went to the big one at PAX in Boston um, last year, and it's very different. You know, the PAX is very concentrated. I mean, it's in a huge place, a huge convention center, but it's basically a, one big sh- uh, show floor and then, um, you know, panel rooms where, you know, like in this convention center built for this kind of thing. Um, this was very different. This was, you know, the hub was kind of the dealer's room, mm-hmm. and that's where most stuff was happening. And then there was stuff happening all around the, the campus, but I feel like a lot of it was if you weren't kind of into the thing that they were doing, it was kind of hard to be a part of it, you know. Um, there wasn't a lot of constantly constant activities for, let's say, groups of people, you, you know, except for to go to the dealer's room and walk around. Um, there were lots of panels, lots of classes. We went to this parapsychology panel which okay. was, was which was interesting not really a panel a class we went to one other one too yeah we went to the furries in <laughs> that's always fun yeah but it wasn't people dressed up it was like a class about it like was yogi sp- bear 101 yeah like special <laughs> effects and furries with two people oh. in the front of the class just talking about it and there was nobody dressed up at all really in the room oh except uh, for the one cat that supposedly poked its head in and then ran yes karen said <laughs> that she saw a blue cat poke its head in so there was no other furries in the room and just turned around and left so you know not good there, but um, so comparatively, what I do like about it, and I think you know, I don't want to step on what Steve's going to say, but because I think he's his gist of liking of the con is going to be of this ilk. But I, I like that it, it's like a no judgment kind mm-hmm. of zone. You know, it's yes. just people get to go and be whoever they are and do whatever they want to do without fear of repercussion from people who don't understand mm-hmm. what they're doing. You know, because if you're the person calling them out there, then you're the weirdo. Right. You, you know, mm-hmm. and and I think that's. It's a really good environment, and for nothing else, it's nice that it exists for that. But, Steve, what did you think? Um, I was a little disappointed that um, by the lack of comic book presence mm-hmm. at, the, uh, mm-hmm. at the show, at the dealer's floor in particular, that there was only two booths uh, dedicated to actual comic books. I mean, there were a few collectors selling like astronomically priced uh, mm-hmm. things. Like I saw like a 20-cent Conan or something mm-hmm. like that there. But, um, I mean, I wish that the, the event itself was a little bit more... Um, Things were closer to one another. Yeah. There was a lot of walking, and it's a huge campus. Mm. And it's just like going to a music festival where you really want to see a band over on the other stage, but you have to calculate that you'll have to walk for 20 to 25 minutes mm. through crowds of people to get to where you want to go. So you really have to plan your day out. And quite frankly, not that we went to very many, but it seemed like some of the things weren't even worth, like the furry thing was just ridiculous. I mean, yeah. I know that we went initially as like a laugh, yeah. but it was really, it wasn't even a laugh. It was no. just, it was talking about like Howard the Duck yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the thing that I did enjoy the most uh, is that, I mean, I, I don't really watch so much anymore, but I am, I used to be a huge anime fan. Um and it was really cool to kind of like go back to that and get back in touch with that uh, over the course of the two days that I was able to go. Mm-hmm. And again, with the whole no judgment um, by any of the attendees, I mean, this this con was was built for these kids. Mm-hmm. Or if it wasn't in the beginning, it is now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, these are the kids that when they go to school, they have their own freak table. They get picked on. They, you know, all kinds of things happen to these kids. 
where else could you get 35, you know, demons <laughs> from colorful demons from some anime that you all come together, you're flash mob dancing in the middle of a campus mm-hmm. and you're just you're just going nuts. Yeah. You're hi- you're hopped up on Red Bull and and <laughs> chocolate and you're just flying around for 3 days. And it was, for lack of a better term, it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. It was really, it was heartwarming. It was nice to see. Everybody was super friendly. Um, Got a lot of great pictures. There's a, uh, so our thoughts are on the website if you want to check the blog. And there's Mm -hmm. also a cosplay article of all the people that I I ran into over the weekend. And um, just some really, really cool uh, individuals representing what they love. Yeah. And I wish, I wish that there were more of them uh, in the area. Yeah. I'm glad you guys took that from that because I've. This is going to sound really weird to say this, except for Christmas, Icon Weekend has been my favorite weekend of the year for years, mm. just because of what you guys are saying. And mm. even though it's changed over the years, where when I was first going, is people in Star Trek outfits mm-hmm. and Captain America, and now it's slightly different. It's still that same idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for the first time, though, here in the local paper on Friday, Newsday. You know, they actually maybe it was Thursday where they highlighted Icon. They actually wrote an article that wasn't all filled with snarky, mm-hmm. bam pow stupidness. Somebody wrote it who actually gets it. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. otherwise, the local coverage is let's find the most inappropriate person we can find to interview who can't speak right. coherently mm-hmm. about what it is they love or what we're, we're trying to do here. And it turns into this is going to turn into my rant. Um, it's an anti intellectual thing. Mm-hmm. The, the regular people, the vanilla people, can't understand someone who's driven by an inner fantasy life who wants to read books and create their own artwork and poetry and make costumes or whatever. They're weirdos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But as someone points out, everyone should see the movie Trekkies that Denise Crosby produced and and, uh, narrates. At the end of the movie, there's a comedian who's doing convention humor. And it was right around the time of the Whitewater trial where that lady was showing up every day dressed in a Starfleet outfit. And he makes the point, he says, okay, Uh, that lady is getting all this grief because she wants to go to the trial in this Star Trek shirt. Mm -hmm. But if you went to the supermarket in a Philadelphia Eagles jersey, they wouldn't say, what a weirdo you are. But you have as much chance of playing for the Eagles as she has to be on the Enterprise. What's the difference? It's true. (laughs) The Star Trek person is a thinking person. It's Mm -hmm. someone intelligent, and the regular people don't get it, so they knock, Mm -hmm. and they come after us. Yeah. Uh, I would say just about like the way the con has operated, I think administratively it could be... um, kind of spruced up a little bit. I mean, I feel like mm, there's lack of signage and lack of where you're supposed to go to do certain things. I feel like the program is lacking with giving you kind of what each panel is like actually going to be about, you know, except for one line. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you have to go online to get that and that doesn't help you once you're there. No, I mean, yeah. even and like, I don't want to be on my phone, like looking at little text on a, a site that's not yeah. optimized for my phone. So that stuff I think could be better. But again, it's one of those things where, I feel like what is brought to it by the people kind of brings it above what it is as far as um, the administrative and kind of just professional side of yes. it. Yes. You know? um, but I mean, I, 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 can, I would never say anything bad about where you give a give chance for people to be who they are, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say it's a success. I mean, we, we all bought some swag. Oh yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Um, I, I spent at least like two hundred plus. You spent a lot of money. I didn't spend yeah. nearly that much money, but I got some cool stuff, and and I'm happy about it. Yeah. Um, Stephanie, what about your con experience? Um, so this was my first convention outside of the Canadas. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So you were barely outside of Canada, though. Let's Canada. be fair. Pardon? You were barely outside of Canada. Were we singing barely. Christmas well, tree just for then? me, I mean, yeah. it was like slightly south of Canada, but on the other side of the, like, the it's country. True. That's true. So, I mean, it was still a pretty long flight. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're t- coming from Vancouver, maybe. But anyways, <laughs> so this convention is the first and foremost thing that I loved about it was that it's a convention for fans of comics. Um, the whole floor is just comic book stuff. Ah. Uh, the media guests are on a separate floor, um, voice guests. All kinds of stuff are just kept completely separate. And Artist Alley and vendors and everything else is on the main convention floor where people can go around and check things out and, uh, you know, really get what, for the most part, people come for, at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it was... It was amazing. I, I got to wander around. I got a chance to finally meet um, one of our former guests, Curtis. Oh, my God. What did it? <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. No, Curtis, I'm sorry. Curtis Weeb. 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 Um, <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. And I'm also sick, so let's just blame it on Oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I am, too. Um, <laughs> and um, I, I met some other cool people. I got, ran into Adam Baldwin and... Edward James Almost and Will Whedon. Um, so say but, we all. Yes, so say we all. Um, I got a chance to attend some panels. I got to see a Vertigo panel where I learned that one of our former, one of my former books of the week, I Zombie, is coming to an end. Yeah, I heard oh. about that. Unfortunately. Yeah, it got. I, I don't think it was like uh, it got canceled. I think there was. I, I don't know. Anyways, um, it it's coming to an end, and um, I learned about a new series coming out called shooters and they talked about saucer country nice yeah and uh fables and fairest and all kinds of fun stuff i also um what other ones i attend i attended a mythic fiction panel uh hmm yes um (laughs) well no it was just more like i know it kind of sounds like medieval yeah Minotaurs and all this. Oh well, stuff. well, we, unicorns. We over the weekend, uh, I managed to snag a flyer for a convention going on in Pennsylvania in Pittsburgh. Yeah, called the uh, what is it? The Anthropomorphicon. It's, it's just Anthrocon, I think. Anthrocon. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like Anyways. horse people and fox people yeah. and fox fairy people. That's the- not at all what this panel. Was about. <laughs> um, it should have been though. It, it's actually it was called the Mythic Fiction Panel, but it's for a new genre of comics because. They were discussing how comics used to be sort of um, by, you know, an outside eye are just sort of one genre in themselves. And um, as they get more and more popular, they're kind of getting their own. I mean, we see them as different genres, but, mm-hmm. you know, other people don't. And this was dividing up a new genre called sort of urban fantasy. And basically it's a lot of like um, of what we see today, like Sandman stuff and, uh, you know, that sort of thing where it's combining – you know, I, again, uh, like mythical things and mythical themes and folklore into modern day circumstances. Mm-hmm. And it was a really neat panel. I really enjoyed myself. Aside from the man, they asked, they opened a floor to questions and there's a man who didn't like this, this rabbi quit teaching religion because of comics or something like that. What? But he carried on for like 15 minutes and this guy came to the back and was like swearing at me. He's like, fucking guy, just shut up. Just fucking, fucking, fucking. <laughs> I'm like, okay, can you like swear at someone else? Like, I mean, I know he's annoying, but he's like, fucking shut up. Wow. But just about the guy at the questions, not the panel itself. Conflict. 
Um, it's the heart of comics. Come on. <laughs> it was there were so many really awesome cosplay costumes. I met a crazy cosplayer, but oh, I, that's the... another story for another time. But for <laughs> the time being, we'll refer to said story as Phoenix boobs. Yes, that's that's what I thought it was. <laughs> Did they rise from the ashes? <laughs> well, there was not really any rising. They were just sort of falling out. Oh, okay. Whoa. Dark Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. There was a few Anyways, of those at Archon, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely amazing. I got a chance to meet a lot of really great people, talk about tons of comics. And oh, I, I got a chance to talk to, uh, was it last week your book of the week was the Hell Yeah, Bobby? Uh, a couple weeks ago. Okay, so mm-hmm. I got a chance to talk to Joe Keating, who uh, writes that. And I had a really great time. I highly recommend if you are in Seattle or have a chance to get out there for the next convention to check it out because it's a really, really, really well-run con and uh, things went smoothly. They had little, um, the volunteers were called minions. <laughs> really cute. They had sure. like little minion things on their shirt and they had little capes. <laughs> they were adorable. <laughs> so um, I'm sure they probably don't want to be called adorable, but except for maybe this one who, that might be the only word you could use to describe her because I think... She, are you going to college? Yes. What are you taking in college? I'm going to college. <laughs> yes. What are you taking in college? Well, programs. Okay. There yeah. <laughs> but anyways, it was all, it was a great weekend. Awesome. So, yes. Great. So that was our con experiences. Let's uh, move on to our book of the week. Um, I'll start us out. Um, Cause actually the book I'm talking about, which is Avenging Spider-Man, um, has a lot to do with kind of the stuff we were talking about, about icon Mm -hmm. about um, uh, artistic expression and kind of following who you are and stuff. And this, this um, for those who aren't reading Avenging Spider-Man, it is basically a kind of either small series, like a one or two issue or one issue, one off issue um, uh, run that is basically, you know, one off stories. So it'll be Spider-Man paired with another Avenger doing something. And usually it's a one issue um, story. This issue centers around um, Spider-Man and Captain America. And it basically starts off with Spider-Man and the rest of the Avengers kind of discovering that Captain America had drawn a comic um, (laughs) back, you know, back before he became Captain America, basically. And um, it's really a story of how Spider-Man kind of latches on to this, latches on the fact that there's more to Captain America and more than that, there's something in Captain America's past that that is like me, you know. And he and he says in the book, Captain America is a geek, you, yeah. you know. And and it's just a great, you know. There's action in the book, but it's always kind of background. It's very much about these two characters who came from very similar places, but took very different life paths, you know, as far as what they were when they were in school, you know. Steve Rogers was a little shrimpy, wimpy guy, and so was Peter Parker. And uh, I I think it's a, a great story about, you know, keeping true to who you are and not forgetting the things that you used to be before you got this power. And I think it's more than just about superheroes, it's about life, you know, because I think one time or another, a lot of us were those kids in school, you know, who... We not not got beaten up, but we got made fun of, and we weren't necessarily in the the top tier, or you know, or mm, whatever. Absolutely. Um, 
and but since then we've we've discovered a way to make the things that we once saw as detriments to our personality be or people other people thought were detriments to our personality become our strengths. Damn you know? right. You know, it makes us who we mm. are. Um and we've become strong adults from that. But there's I mean obviously we're doing this. There's oh, oh, we never really lose that person. You know, and it, it, the book to me is that's what the book's all about. Bob, did you get a chance to? Yeah, it I read it, loved it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a great little tie-in. At one point, Steve Rogers in the Now, mm-hmm. which was twenty years ago when they did this story, but right. it was the Now uh, was working for Marvel, drawing <laughs> Captain America, <laughs> which is just a, just a layer of meta stuff that you right. don't need. But that he he starts to go back at Peter with, well, do you still play with your first chemistry set? Mm-hmm. And it eventually, look, Hawkeye's ragging on Peter. Yeah. He, he's taking Peter back to high school. Like, oh, you know, oh, there he goes. How did General Patton like that? You yeah. know, on and on. Everybody learns something here. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want to give anything away, but yeah. everybody gets a message out of this. Mm-hmm. It is really, really well done. It's very touching. Yeah. There's a, there's a line. I'm not going to say the line because I want people to read it, but there's a line that Peter has. You, you know where I feel like it sums up everything that Spider-Man is, and it's addressing when Cap kind of goes at him about like, you know, you're not the same person you used to be, and it's just Peter's retort is very much just defines who Spider-Man is and who that character is, and how kind of even though he's a character created 50 years ago, he somehow still kind of signifies the 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 mid 20 late 20s modern you know kid boy. You know, kid yeah. man or whatever, you know? So, <laughs> um, see, did you get a chance to read it? Yes. What did you think? I thought it was wonderful. Uh, I thought it was very heartwarming. Mm-hmm. And I'm using a lot of really wimpy words today. <laughs> but, um, no, You're it getting was... getting in touch with your sensitive side, yeah. Steve. I am. I am so in touch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was... It was... You know what it is? Um, I mean, I've been reading Avenging Spider-Man. I've been loving it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was one of those issues where they kind of take a break from everything and especially in superhero books i've noticed that those are kind of my favorite ones Mm -hmm. where i mean i enjoy a good fight and a good you know a good argument or crisis or anything but the the issues where everybody's just kind of taking it easy and and doing like a little side story or a side note especially one that has a really powerful message to it Mm -hmm. um i think is great and especially to use a platform like Avenging Spider-Man that people that have been enjoying it, they're going to pick up the next issue. Yeah. And then you hit them with this very touching story about mm. friendship and staying true to who you are. Yeah. Um, it was very clever. Mm. So. Awesome. And it's uh, dedicated to Joe Simon. Yeah. Right. Who just passed away at age, what, 99? Yeah. So it's interesting. Steph, did you get a chance to read it? I'm, I know I told you the I, book. I didn't have a chance, unfortunately, but Some... I will have to go check it out and let you know what I thought of it once I do. Some podcast yeah. co-host you are, Stephanie. I'm sorry. You think she was out of the country or something. Yeah. Jesus. Yes. <laughs> they have, yeah, because they didn't have comic books at the comic book convention that she was at. <laughs> or several oh, hundred thousand feet it's not like I was just air. twiddling my thumbs. Steve, what's your book of the week? My book of the week, anybody that listens to our podcast or reads our reads the reviews on our website, knows that we're all pretty big fans of uh, Nick Spencer and Joe Isma's Morning Glories. Um, I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I mean, my since we started this whole thing, I've come to realize that my, my favorite team is definitely uh, the Luna Brothers. And if I had to choose a second team up that I think writes books that I want to read the most, it would be Nick Spencer and Joe Isma. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm not going to spoil anything because Morning Glories is the type of it's it's what like 36 pages. Yeah, it's long too. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, it's 36 pages. And one of the wonderful things about this series or this book is that it's put out by Image. There are no ads. There's absolutely nothing to distract you from the story mm-hmm. and from what's going on. And every one of these issues is worth your money and plays out like a full episode of a television show. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing that was special, I mean, I read a lot, I read a couple of good things this week, but the reason that this was so special was that of the 36 pages with no ads, only 15 of the pages deviated from this one scene that was happening throughout the book. And Mm -hmm. what the scene is, and again, this is not spoiling anything, is it's basically, or it is, a conversation between Ike and Jade. Mm -hmm. Um, If you remember the last time that we left them, they were sitting around waiting for something to happen, Mm -hmm. and they're kind of just killing time Mm -hmm. because they don't know why they're supposed to be there. So they just start talking to one another. And... I mean, I don't know if I've read a comic where it was essentially just, aside from like a little flashback here and there, it was all it was was dialogue. Mm-hmm. Just two characters talking to one another about some really, really heavy handed issues about faith, about their belief, mm-hmm. about what they believe is going on in the school, why they're there, what the purpose of it is, uh, why they're sitting around waiting for something to happen. They don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and these two characters who have been very much polar opposites for 17 issues, um, they realize that they have not so much more in common than they thought that they did, but that each one of them perhaps has a more vulnerable side that the other one could identify with. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just, I was reading it. My friend was sitting on the couch next to me and he was getting angry with me because he hasn't read it, any of it yet. Oh, and boy. every couple of minutes I'd be like, oh, or, you know, like, oh man. Oh. And he's like, would you shut up? Would you please just shut up? He's like, you know, I haven't read it yet. I'm like, dude, it's just, it's so good. It's so intense. Mm-hmm. And that's really all I have to say about it. I'm like, my favorite book of the week is pretty much just an endorsement mm-hmm. for, for this amazing series. I know we've brought it up before, but seriously, if you're not, Reading Morning Glories, you have to because it's a very, very good book. It's very important that these types of comic books exist outside of the big hero books. Mm-hmm. It's sci fi, it's mystery, it's friendship, it's uh, horror, mm-hmm. it's all of these things put into into one. And it's one of those things that, like, I tell, I, I let people borrow it, and I'm like, don't turn the pages. Mm-hmm. You open it and you go page by page, or you don't touch it at all. Yeah. Because if you go forward, you're going to spoil your, something mm-hmm. for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that was my favorite book of the week. Just uh, phenomenal writing, phenomenal uh, like ambiance and mood. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic. I loved it. It's a great book, and it and you're absolutely right. And it feels, you know, it feels to me like I always bring this up when we talk about it, but it, it's very accessible as well. I mean, it's not a hard book to enter in any way, and it, it feels like a a big like a very good television show to me. That's what yeah. it feels like when I'm reading it. And I always bring up Lost when I talk about it because mm-hmm. that's how it's structured. You know, that that's the the kind of they have big reveals in the book, yeah. but all of those reveals are earned. Because they've been set up way previous, you, yeah. you, you you finally got the inkling of what a certain character was in this book right. for the first time, and this character showed up in the first issue. Yes, you know, so they do things like that, which are, are I think are really really intense and really good storytelling. I um I went uh, just a quick story. I lent the first two volumes to a friend of mine, mm. 
And before he left my house, I said, I'll be talking to you tomorrow. And he's like, dude, I'm not going to have these done by tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm mm-hmm. like, just go home. Just read the first issue before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. He texts me the next day, just you motherfucker. <laughs> and I was like, what? He's like, are you home? I said, yeah. He goes, I'm coming over to grab the other issues from you because this is ridiculous. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's obsessed. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, go pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. I had the and same experience. You, go, oh, go ahead, Steph. If you haven't picked it up yet and you are interested in picking up, the trades are really, really cheap. Yeah, they like, are. Even, they don't have yes. a Canadian U.S. price. It's just $10 for the first. And I do believe yes. the second issue. Uh, I believe so, it's 12 well, It's yeah. 12 for oh, the second and, issue. And um, the third trade is on its way. It should be here even maybe even by the end of the month. Cool. Because well, so, this next issue is, next month's issue is the last in this arc. Yes. The PE arc or whatever. Okay, so maybe it's a little while. All right, so yeah. maybe it's not this month. Yeah. Um, maybe the first week in June. Maybe, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's now, I was, it we were, you, you guys have talked about Lost in relation mm. to this. I, we were talking yesterday. It reminds me in some ways of the old show, The Prisoner, mm. where That's it's this good. self-contained yeah. place that you don't know why it's there or what's going on or how. Mm. And it's, can you get out? Should you get out? Yeah. A lot of the inspiration for Lost comes from The Prisoner. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, so that so that's I why. I have to see that show. The Prisoner? Yeah. I've, I've never I've never seen The Prisoner, but I just it's always mentioned whenever they talk about okay. shows like that. So. It is pretty bizarre. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, so is that it, Steve? Yeah, I'm good. Cool. Um, I think we should just thank Stephanie for getting us into it, though, in the first place. Oh, absolutely. Well, <laughs> she's, she's recommended so many things to me that mm-hmm. I've gone out and purchased, and I think maybe there was only... One that didn't uh, didn't do it for me. So you got a good track record there, kid. Even though I didn't understand what the book was about when she talked about it, right? I still went out I'm and sorry. got it. It's sinister. That's all you have to know. She has, it's very sinister, and she had a lot of energy talking about how sinister it was. Yes. Uh, Bob. I swear, if I have lots of energy for it, you know, it's good. Like you know, maybe if I'm just like, oh, it was okay. Right. Don't buy it. But, <laughs> you know. But then why would it be your book of the week? Yeah. Weird. I don't know. Yeah. Because no. you didn't read anything because <laughs> it was in the pile. Yeah. <laughs> it was top. Um, Bob, you oh, okay? Sort of related to to yours, Bobby. Mm-hmm. It is Captain America and Bucky six twenty eight, which is the last bit with Ed Brubaker before this book becomes Captain America and Hawkeye. It's mm-hmm. going to be a, more of a team up book. Uh, he did the story on this, but it's James Asmus on the script and Francisco Francavilla. I'm pretty close. <laughs> with Francisco that. Francavilla. <laughs> He's probably Spanish, and I'm giving him Italian accent. Whatever. <laughs> um, Who cares? But we. The, the, it's, it's the last part of a four-part story arc where it, you begin with – I'm going to have to go really old-time history on this. You, you start with – there's an older fella giving a speech at a veterans hospital, and he's attacked by some robot from behind him. And sitting in the audience is Captain America. Mm. And where this goes back to is mm-hmm. when in when 1963, when Stan decided to bring back Captain America in the Avengers, he – forgot that even though he kills him, oh, spoiler alert, you know, Cap dies before the end of the war, he gets shot down with Bucky and a drone and they fall into the ocean and so on, that there were Captain America stories published after World War II into the 40s and then oh, eventually okay. into the 50s. And he had either forgotten, mm-hmm. which was possible, or he didn't think it mattered because mm-hmm. who was still around reading comics from 15 years before? Mm-hmm. Uh, in an issue of What If, as a matter of fact, What If number four from August of 77, his first assistant, Roy Thomas, who was then the editor-in-chief over there, decided, I'll tell the story and explain who Cap was after. Mm-hmm. Cap dies. Harry Truman assigns this other superhero named the Spirit of 76 to become the fill-in Captain America. And, <laughs> and 
And uh, there's another Bucky, and they fight with the Submariner, the original Human Torch. After the war, they form the All-Winner Squad and so on. And the story they're referencing in Brubaker's here is they have a mission in Boston because a, an android character who is the creation of Professor Horton, who created the Torch, mm. uh, has become self-aware and decides he wants to rule the country and the world. So he is going to replace a senatorial candidate with an android and then rule the country. And that candidate is John Kennedy. Okay. In the midst of this, the new Captain America gets killed. Ba-ba-bum. Gets his ribs crushed and then gets replaced in the same issue by another hero called the Patriot who saw him <laughs> die and takes up the mantle because there should always be a Captain America. It's important. Wow. Well, in this story with Brubaker, somebody remembered this, which is fun, besides me. And uh, <laughs> he brings back, that was Adam 2, now it's Adam 3. It's a series of robot replacements, a robot replacement Bucky that goes insane. The old man at the vet's hospital is the replacement Bucky from the 40s. And he goes on this mission with Cap and the Human Torch and androids and robots and <laughs> lions and tigers and bears. There oh is, my. There are so many reveals, I can't, there are too many things I can't say without fouling stuff up here. Mm -hmm. uh, as usual with Brubaker, he's got Cap spot on, but he, he tells the story of Fred Davis, the replacement Bucky, who was once the Bat Boy for the Yankees. Okay. I don't know why I have to know that, but I do. <laughs> and it, it's amazing how many different character voices he and, and James Asmus can manage here, and, and they should all be in the same place age-wise and everything, and they're not. There's a spot where after the attack, He's laying in a hospital, and Cap comes to visit him, and his in, Fred's internal uh, monologue is sort of, he, he's looking at me and seeing the age under my eyes and the liver spots on my hands, and he knows we're the same age, but we're not, and mm -hmm. it's bothering Cap, too. It's just little human moments mm -hmm. that make this story up. Great action sequences, a lot of really cool stuff going on, but it's the... It's, it's reiterating the idea of Captain America is 70 years out of his time period. Right. Yeah, and that's what you know, makes it work, and it worked in your book mm -hmm. in the same way that well, this is a guy who remembers you know Glenn Miller, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, uh, love uh, Glenn Miller. I do. Congratulations, I'm, I'm impressed. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so unfortunately, Ed Brubaker is probably not going to be doing this book. He'll still be doing Cap, so everyone should be picking that up anyway. Right. But uh, we'll see what Cap and Hawkeye is like next month. Very cool. Very nice. So Stephanie, what is your book of the week? Well, following up last week's podcast, um, I decided to check out Avengers versus X-Men, issue number zero. Um, <laughs> so this is this is probably the first Avengers, X-Men, anything like of either that I've read in quite a while. So um, listening to Alan last week talk about what we needed to know uh, seriously helped because like there's a couple opening shots in like mentions that I would have had absolutely no idea about had he not, you know, I agree. Took the time to explain. Mm -hmm. um, even the part where um, the Scarlet Witch, they mentioned she endangered an entire species with just three words. I would have not had a clue. Mm -hmm. Anyways, so um, I dove into this and basically this is sort of, um, yeah, the prologue to the series. And um, it's two stories and it's the Scarlet Witch's story who is on the side, the side of the Avengers, and Hope Summers, who is with the X-Men. Um, and it's also, interestingly enough, written by like two different writers. And mm -hmm. um, 
Scarlet Witch's story is told by Brian Michael Bendis, who apparently in our podcast group we have a love-hate relationship with. <laughs> um, and Hope Summers' story is told by uh, Jason Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it gets right into things. Like, we, we meet uh, the Scarlet Witch, uh, Wanda, and she's, you know, trying to get back into the swing of things after some events and, uh, you know, sort of take on the world. And uh, they're both sort of in very similar circumstances where they're both kind of taking, biting off more than they can chew. Um, and I, I don't want to get too much into it because it's pretty, I mean, if, if, you, if you're aware of what's going on with the event, um, that's great. If not, listen to last week's podcast. <laughs> um, but it, it was just a really great story that I think lined up the rest of the series and the tone and what's to come kind of thing. Um, we've seen a lot of fears that Hope Summers is feeling because, you know, she's about to meet the Phoenix Force. Yay! <laughs> um, and there's a lot of shit going on with Wanda, and uh, they do they do a lot they do a really great job of telling this story and setting up like, you know, a lot of emotional responses for us to feel for these characters. And um, I really dug it. Cool. You guys, you guys read it as well, I, I assume. Or- sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I agree with you. Just about for except for um, there's a scene at the beginning with Modok. It's a ridiculous, huge-headed like thing that comes yes. in at the first battle, and there's this really clunky, like as Bob yeah. said, exposition scene mm. where he basically tells you what's going on, and mm-hmm. never would say these or, things, or screams at you to tell you what's yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would never say these things to it, to this person at this time. Like you don't have to tell the Scarlet Witch who she is. And what she you're did. the daughter of Magneto yeah, exactly. nine times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not to mention he has a a twelve inch word balloon. Yeah. In in a in a in one scene that would have actually taken in action, I don't know, second and a half. Yeah. He must speak really quickly. Yeah. Maybe it's the big lips, I guess. I don't know. Um <laughs> but except for that scene, I liked it a lot. I, I thought that the the hope story was stronger than the Wanda story. Um just tighter and mm-hmm. I felt like I it would pop a little bit more. Um, pop 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 <laughs> but I what I did like about the Wanda story was that the I thought that last scene where she goes to Avengers Mansion and, and talks to Vision I thought yeah. was uh, was a really good emotional scene between those two characters mm-hmm. and it's also reflected back if you if you read Avengers 24.1 last week it's kind of a companion piece to mm-hmm. that and it tells you more like Vision's side of, of that story there's a lot of crying there's a lot of crying <laughs> well okay i'll i'll do this it's avengers 58 even an android can cry mm. was the story the last line of the story <laughs> there you now, go his entry I, into the avengers come <laughs> on i found like hope's um story at the beginning to be a bit whiny like she was a bit angsty and kind of annoying but then as you go on they kind of really dive into her character and kind of um let you in on what she must be going through mm-hmm. and it kind of I think it's kind of almost in that, I mean, she's not nearly as annoying as Damien and Batman, but it's sort of like one of those things where he's aggravating, but eventually it sort of becomes justified. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how I felt about her. Like she was kind of just, I don't want to listen to you. I don't have to listen to you. And then like, <laughs> she's it, a teenager. She doesn't listen I, to grownups, even Scott. I know, but you know, it's still not always the greatest thing to want to read. Like you don't necessarily <laughs> want to hear people's. You know, but they, they, they justify it. Listen it here, you've, you're vessel of the apocalypse. Yeah. 
Also, Cyclops is kind of a dick. Yeah. He is a dick. <laughs> People try to stick up for him. He's a dick. He has been for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. After the death of Jean Grey, he was never quite the same character. Right. And initially, it was written just... Uh, he was sad and anxiety-ridden mm-hmm. and wasn't sure what to do. And then it, that turned into just chip on his shoulder all the time. Right. And it wasn't pleasant to read. So eventually, they brought him out of the book for years. Mm-hmm. They'd well, pop back in. It would be, oh, get lost. We don't want to see you anymore. <laughs> Without spoilers or anything, page 19 is pretty awesome where she turns his powers yeah. back around on him. And I was like, ha! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, that 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 was my book of the week, guys. So you liked it as a prelude to the yeah. Okay. Um. Again, I haven't really read much of you know either Avengers or X Men separately for a long time now, and um, I think I, I hope the story continues to be good because it's something that could pen- potentially draw me back into those stories. Um. Was that a pun, by the way? Pun not intended. Oh, okay. You, 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 hope, you hope the story will forget, oh, forget it, skip it. Pun oh. intended. Okay. <laughs> All right. Maybe not. Anyways, uh, it, it was good. And I, I, I want to check out the rest of it based on this. And I like that it's not so much maybe action-driven so far as story and character-driven. And I like that about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, so it preludes into actually the three of us got a chance to read Avengers vs. X-Men number one. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Stephanie hasn't had, gotten a chance to read it yet. Uh, <laughs> She's not happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to talk just a little bit about it. If you guys are going to pick it up today and you have you, you know, you know want to hear some thoughts about it before you buy it, if you're on the fence, I'm sure that if you want to buy it, you're going to buy it no right, matter right. what. And if you're not, you weren't anyway. Yeah, so. but if you're on the fence, I thought maybe we just talk about not spoilery or anything. Or anything. Not that there's much to spoil. It's the Page first 19. Issue. Yeah, it's the first <laughs> issue. Um, wow. So this basically, um, this book basically p- delivers on the promise of what we've been hearing about for these, you know, last six months or whatever. The the Phoenix Force is on its way, um, and we get our kind of opening salvo to the Avengers versus X Men. Um, you know, I just want to hear general impressions. I mean, uh, there's a review on the site actually, talkingcomicbooks.com, mm-hmm. if you want to check that out. But. Um, Steve, I, I kind of already know your reaction to me because you kind of gave me a verbal reaction when you finished reading it, but tell me what you thought. Um, I was very underwhelmed, okay. to be honest. Um, this is like, it, it's, I don't want to be like the, uh, the negative, but I think I am going to be the negative. Be the negative. It's totally fine. Um, I'm like kind of hot and cold with the whole X-Men versus Avengers versus X-Men thing to begin with. Uh, admittingly, I was not very excited about it. I know I'm supposed to be, but um, I enjoy other comics so much more mm-hmm. than than this. Um, I liked the prelude stuff a lot more than I liked the first issue. Um, I felt that the first issue was kind of meandering a little bit. I felt like it was some of the some of the panels, some of the art um, was a little awkward. I don't really want to go too far into that, but mm-hmm. it, it just it wasn't it I put it down and it was kind of like all right and I know that this is a this is gonna be a 12 issue thing with mm-hmm. other tie-ins and stuff like it's, it's huge mm-hmm. it's it's probably it's the biggest thing going on in comics right now it absolutely is yes but and it's not to say that when it's all said and done that it's not gonna be spectacular mm-hmm. but I just I almost forget sometimes just how much like quibbling that there is in these pages that for all the explosions and all the action and all that stuff that's going on, I just, 
maybe because I, I, I don't know, you, like listening to the podcast that we did last uh, week with Alan Kistler mm. really, really helped put things into perspective. Mm-hmm. But had I not listened to that podcast and gotten like a crash course and everything that I needed to know, th- all of this would have meant nothing to me. Okay. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have meant a damn thing. Um, and I was really looking forward to like the first issue has got to be like the blockbuster issue to pull you in. And I got to be honest with all these other books, all these other X-Men books that are really good, that if this wasn't as big as it, as it is, I probably wouldn't read it. Mm. So that's, that's just me. I, I liked issue number zero, a whole hell of a lot more. Then and I even like the the Avengers twenty four point one a little not as much as zero but a little bit more than number one. Um, I just I kind of thought it was an awkward start. Okay, it didn't. It's like it's it's supposed to excite you. Mm-hmm. It did not excite me. Okay, at all. All right, interesting, Bob. I'm a little more positive, but not by a heck of a whole lot. It seems as if there's half an issue of issue here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big payoff at the end where you're about to get to see what's going to be some kind of throwdown. I'd like to see that further up the book. It opens with, you know, stuff blowing up, of course, that mm-hmm. really have nothing to do with the story. Mm-hmm. We get reintroduced to a character who has to take out a jet airliner and the Chrysler building and all sorts mm-hmm. of things for no particularly good reason, except we can have a big page of stuff blowing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the characterizations, Cap, he's, he's got pretty well. He's got this new Cyclops, where that's apparently mm-hmm. what he is now. So I'm hoping that now we move to issue two and some of these sidebar issues, we start to build these characters. Because if it's going to be nothing but fighting, it's there was a, an Avengers versus DC thing about 10 years ago. Okay. And it was, okay, it was fun as the crossover and to watch Aquaman and Submariner beat on each other and have Aquaman drop a whale on Subby's head was kind of interesting. <laughs> um, but unless there's something more, it's just a gimmick. Okay. I want to see the storylines of both books mm-hmm. move forward here. It's funny because it seems like your complaint about it is the exact opposite complaint that you have about it. Mm-hmm. So your complaint is too much quibbling, not enough action. Your complaint is too much action, not enough substance. No, no, no. Like there was lots of like there are. I, I'm trying not to spoil anything. There are lots of okay. explosions. But I completely agree with okay. Bob. But um, no, I just like I said, the excitement factor. Like mm-hmm. I know that we're supposed to be like chomping at the bit for these books, and I'm not. Okay. So I gotta tell you, I I I'm much more positive than either of you are. Um, I my only main quibble, and I'll get to my quibble before I talk about the positive stuff, is that I felt like. It, it, the the book which is Avengers versus X Men this this book felt to me like okay the Avengers are the good guys and the X Men are kind of the bad guys you know that's what it felt like to me there's a lot more page time given to the Avengers so you you instinctively have more of a connection you, you you're thinking to yourself okay how are the Avengers going to beat these guys right since they lead off the story for the first fifteen pages basically you know? yeah. um, I do disagree with you about the opening action sequence not having any, it doesn't have anything to do with the story but you know, what I complained about with Justice League when it rebooted was all of these characters doing all this stuff and you're not you're not given a reason to care. Um, I have no context for it, right? You need to show the... Because I'm this is, I'm assuming something. Mm-hmm. You need to show the Avengers working as a team, doing all their... Using all their powers correctly, having everything go right, so that later on, when shit goes wrong, there's context to it. 
You know what uh, I mean? Okay. Uh, when we first meet the Silver Surfer, FF48, it's the Galactus Trilogy. Mm-hmm. The I, wa- I can't argue, though, this is about... The Watcher, <laughs> the Watcher shows up mm-hmm. to warn the Fantastic Four and the Earth that there's this guy coming mm-hmm. who's going to take everybody out. I'm going to hide your planet from the Silver Surfer. He fills the sky with fire and rock so he can't see it. And... Nothing happens for pages, mm-hmm. but you're so waiting for this silver surfer, the herald of this guy who's going to eat the earth, and nothing happens at all, and you're on the edge of your seat waiting for him to show up. It can be done the other way. I, 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 Bob, I will give you that there are different ways to do the storytelling, but it's really hard for me to argue about something that you consumed when you were a younger person, because everybody thinks the stuff that they experienced when they were... 13 is the best thing that ever happened in the entire world. Okay. I will tell you this. You, you can say that, and we'll, we'll discuss this later, too. But, but I never read it, so I, I'm not right, arguing okay. with that. I'm just saying. If they were taking a poll of readers mm-hmm. from any period you want, from my age to your age and younger, and comic book professionals, mm-hmm. and you ask them what is the greatest storyline in the history of comic books, mm-hmm. that's going to be in your top 10. I don't care what age anybody says it is. Or when they read it. If right. you read it now, it would still be good. And I'm sure, and that's what I'm saying, but I'm saying like, that's a tough argument for me to have, especially because I have never mm-hmm. read that. So I, I can't argue off the basis of that, nor do I want to compare this to something else. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm just saying that I think that opening scene works in that way. And also I think it works because, and I um, let someone else read it that wasn't a big comic book person. And I was like, what did you think? And they go, well, you know what? Like I was worried about reading it because... You know, this is too. I'm not reading these books, but it started out with these characters who I know doing things that I knew they know how to do, and that made me feel like more welcome into the situation because mm-hmm. of that. You know, um, I I think that I don't think it is the best issue I read this. I'm, I'm going to read this week most likely. It's not the best issue of a a book I've read in the last couple of weeks. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But I think that as a beginning to a a major event, I think that it begins to at least establish you with these two different philosophies, which is the Avengers only see the Phoenix as the destructive force and, and are blinded to the re- rebirth aspect and Cyclops is blinded to the destructive force, just seeing the rebirth aspect. And I, I like that it's a fundamental, um, differentiation between their philosophies. It's not a, Oh, we're lacking information. So we're going to fight each other thing. You mm-hmm. know, I like that they, pretty much all the cards are on the table. I like that. I also think that Captain America is pretty badass in the issue. Mm-hmm. I, I love the scene between him and – there's a scene between him and Cyclops. Um, Highlight of the book. And I think it's great. I think that their kind of back and forth is, is the reason why I like Bendis' writing. That's when I like Bendis' writing. Um, that being said, I'm looking forward to seeing what other writers in the future do with it. I think that maybe they're doing this so maybe when Jason Aaron is writing it, the X-Men get more time because that's his book. Right. We'll flip the emphasis. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I thought it was very good. Do I think it's amazing? Uh, no. But I think it's very good and I think it's a good beginning to th- this event. If it, it if it continues to get better from here, I think right. that I'm hoping it. for a build. I think what we have, we have three opinions. We have yeah. very good, good, mm-hmm. meh. Yeah. The thing that I am worried about... Stephanie hasn't read it. The thing that I am worried about, though, however, is... I don't want it to be this straight up Avengers are the good guys, X-Men are the bad guys thing 
that's not interesting to me. I want to. I want my opinions and my allegiances to be swayed as mm-hmm. as I read the series. You know, I want to question why I'm going for the Avengers, why I'm going for the X Men mm. as the series goes along. If that doesn't happen, then I'm gonna be very disappointed. Uh, we should also bring up the uh, feature of the AR. Oh yeah, the it's the first book to feature the um, the Marvel AR, which is an app for Android and iOS, and basically it allows you to kind of look at special it's a book full of special features you can hear commentaries by Brian Michael Bendis you can see oh. like a tra- like if you do the, the cover you see a trailer for the book that's inside they show you um, um, anime panels from sketch to finished uh, it's, a, it's a really cool aspect um, there's also the oh, infinite infinite comic that comes with the digital code which I haven't used yet so and I haven't been able to read yet but it was really it's a really cool thing it's definitely more for your money you're getting a lot for your three ninety nine with this book, which I think is really cool. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that is it for talking about our books of the week and Avengers and such. Um, Steve, do you have a off the beaten path? I do. I'll make it really brief because okay. uh, I know we want to get to some other stuff. Mm. But um, I found a book. Um, it's a five-issue run uh, from Image, and it's called The Light. Uh, it came out in 2010. And it's written by Nathan Edmondson with art by uh, Brett. I'm going to try this. Weldell. Yeah. yeah. Nathan Edmondson did the activity, or he's writing the activity. Yeah. Ah. Yes. Um, now, I read this right before I, I, I came over here. Um, it took me about 20 to 25 minutes to, to read all five issues. It's very um, atmosphere and art-oriented. And basically what it is is um, – Story of a guy who just lost his job. He's like a deadbeat dad. His name is Coyle. And he arrives home and he's, you know, he's looking for his alcohol. He's down and out. His daughter doesn't want to speak to him. He lives with his mother. Um, There's tensions in the house and whatnot. Basically, he ends up waking up to find that any source of light, uh, natural light, is killing people. It's basically if you look into the light, you begin to burn from the inside mm-hmm. and you your bones and dust. Mm-hmm. And um, what was strange about this was that it was only a five-issue run and it felt like you could have, like if you were watching this as television, that this could have been like the pilot to something that was never picked up. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a very um, like apocalyptic feel to it and I keep... I hate to say this because I've heard the terrible things, but that movie, The Darkest Hour mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah. that, with uh, that little light source, they poof into into bits. Yes. Yeah. It re- kind of reminded me of that, but a much more um, heavy-handed sci-fi. There's um, The thing that you've got to do is that if you, if you bother to go and, and seek this out, um, it is really cool. I'm not going to tell you it's the greatest thing in the world, but it'll definitely give you a little bit of a thrill, although it is very short. Mm-hmm. Um the back of the book has uh, letters written from the writer, and he basically, each issue, he explains what went on in the book, because like I said, there really isn't a whole hell of a lot there. It's mostly art and and story told through art, but he gets into these like really, really interesting philosophical conversations, and he even makes references to like Kurt Vonnegut and... Mm. Plato and all these different people throughout history that have had these really like profound things to say. And he even gets into something about um, something from the Bible about um, the whole light versus dark aspect and how the light is good. 
um, that this this phenomenon that's going on inside of this book is kind of nature's way of purging the humans uh, and and the animals to start over again. And when I read that, it kind of put a different spin on what I had just read. And it's even something that only took me 20 minutes, 25 minutes to read that I might Mm -hmm. read again. Mm -hmm. But first I would read the letters from him Mm -hmm. and then go back and read the comic. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's very, very off the beaten path if you can find it. Um, It's good. It's not great. Mm -hmm. But... Like I said, it'll it'll put a couple of thoughts into your head. It'll make you you'll you'll go to sleep thinking about it for a little bit, and um, you know, just something else to check out. Awesome, yeah. Well, thank it. you very much, Steve. Um, oh, uh, and it's Avenging Spider Man number five. I didn't say the number before, so I just wanted to thank you, Bobby. Put it out there before so anybody who's listening. Um, so that is it for our book of the week segment. We'll be right back to talk about the Marvel Universe on Disney XD. <laughs> All right, so we are back. Um, Stephanie had to leave us because she's feeling alone under the weather and uh, she hadn't watched the episodes. So we figured we'll just. <laughs> oh, man. Her. No, 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 She was away all weekend. She was <laughs> sick. And I basically, before the show, I told her, like, if you can't watch them, no big deal. You're sick. I told her she didn't have to be on the show. And she tro- <laughs> she was a trooper and came on the show, even though she was feeling she's tough, pretty horrendously, yeah. very but, tough. So, but meanwhile, I hear people tuning out already. We should have pretended she was know, still yeah. here and just had Steve or me do like, "Hi, yeah. <laughs> hello." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, DC Nation, which is the DC cartoon block mm-hmm. on Cartoon Network. Um, Marvel has a very similar thing on Disney XD, and it basically launched this past weekend with the premiere of Ultimate Spider-Man and the second season premiere of Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Um, there's also some interstitial stuff they do, much like they do on the DC Nation as well. Um, but we're going to be focusing primarily on the two big shows that are the the backbone of this thing. Um, let's start with the new show first, just like we did last time with Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. We're going to start out with Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, now, for anybody who hasn't seen the show yet or hasn't heard about the show, um, this show is not based on the Ultimate Spider-Man comic books. It's not. It's it it yep. kind of takes from many different um, Spider-Man's Amazing Ultimate, all these different things, to kind of create its own thing. Um, where Ultimate Spider-Man in this means being the best Spider-Man you can be. Basically. Yeah, it's very clever the way they did that. Yeah, that's what mm. it means. Um, it's created by the people who created Ben 10, um, and also... That explains a lot. Yeah, and uh, shepherded um, for the first couple episodes by Paul Dini, who obviously is kind of a legend in a animation. Giant. You know, um, He's the man, basically. Yes. So... Here's the question. Um, I'm a big Spider-Man fan. I know we all like Spider-Man, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, Steve, what did you think of Ultimate Spider-Man? Uh, I enjoyed it very much. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed the... I didn't know what to expect. I saw the trailer, and I really enjoyed the trailer. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping I was hoping for it to be kind of silly yeah. and kind of fun, because mm-hmm. I've never really read much Spider-Man before mm-hmm. we started doing this, and now that I've been reading him. Like, I tend to go for the female heroes. That's mm-hmm. just my thing. But out of the male heroes, Spider-Man is definitely working his way up the list for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I liked the approach to Spider-Man. Jokes, 
Mm-hmm. Every couple of seconds, there's there's a joke. Yes, there's lots of jokes. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, not all of them hit. No, but I'd say like maybe seven out of ten, mm-hmm. um, and they were funny. Yeah, um, I really liked the. I was surprised by it because sometimes they they try to go like the kids today, like they try to go edgy mm-hmm. and they try to go cool, mm-hmm. and you know, dark Spider Man, and mm-hmm. he's got you know, he's very angular, and mm-hmm. he's you know, all this stuff, but. What they ended up doing was they did a very much a Saturday morning cartoon approach mm-hmm. to it with all of these um, all these breaks in the action where they would do like these little side things of yeah. him like becoming this big headed little cartoon character uh, yeah. and yeah. almost yeah. acting out like this little scene mm-hmm. to to you know summarize what's going on within the cartoon basically be like I'm toast and then you'd see him as toast, toast. right exactly like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I thought the action sequences were really good. We actually got the chance to watch um, the first two episodes. Yeah, they aired them both. So okay. I saw them as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And um, I liked the flow of the both of them. I loved, absolutely love, um, oh wait, no, maybe, was Chi McBride? He was um, Nick, Nick Fury. Fury. He was Nick Fury, yeah. Okay, I like him a lot. Yeah. And um, I, I didn't recognize him at first, but then once I looked it up and I heard his voice, like every time that Nick Fury was on, I was like, yay. <laughs> Um, I really liked him in Pushing Daisies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I would say, I mean, I would definitely tune in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I'll, I don't sit down and watch anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually, I download or I wait for it mm-hmm. on DVD or whatever. Um, however, the one, the one and only complaint we that both, I have, which that, we both have, that actually. Bob and I share, uh, you called it a misstep. What the fuck was with Aunt May. Yeah, the the thing about Aunt May though is if you're reading any if you're reading the ultimate stuff, if you're reading the Peter Parker ultimate stuff, I mean she's not in this cartoon, she's very like active and crazy. She goes bowling and she does yoga. Bowling, yeah. But the but it's and plays m- video games. It's much more <laughs> on the line with with the way Aunt May is in the ultimate universe. Okay. She's younger, she's not a doting old woman. I mean she's old, but she's you know, she's not old old. Yeah. Yeah, but she's like hot. For like a cartoon <laughs> grandmother. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, you know, I I think it's the Aunt May thing was uh, to me it was weird. Just and it's more weird for me just because that's not who Aunt May is in my brain. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, that you was, know. You know that was it, it. Took that was the only thing for me that totally took me out mm-hmm. of the Spider-Man mm-hmm. universe was that all this other familiar stuff was going on and I'm laughing and mm-hmm. he's swinging and he's beating crap out of people and stuff. Yeah. And then you have Aunt May playing the Wii. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Oh yeah, it's my birthday," <laughs> and I'm like, "I understand the the hip factor mm-hmm. for the younger kids that you want to make her appealing and stuff." But that was just garbage. <laughs> like, I really, I really, really hope if anybody hears this podcast, tone it down. <laughs> Seriously, she does not need to be that over the top. I've never. I know that this is a new take, new spin, new iteration, mm-hmm. all of that, but. In any time that she's come onto the onto these books that I've read, mm-hmm. she was never this ridiculous. No, she's not. I, what I do like about it is I, I hope that it means that they're not going to rely on her as a crutch for the Aunt May gets kidnapped, Aunt May's in danger storyline. Bring her, well, her bring her the medicine. It yeah. seems like if she does get kidnapped, that she's gonna like, you know, tie bow their asses. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And you know, and yeah, I guess that's kind of fun, but mm-hmm. it's also I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I I always I always loved the idea of like the the patriarch of mm-hmm. what's left of his family mm-hmm. and that she's, you know, baking apple pies and stuff. She's not baking apple pies. She's on she has her own Twitter account. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it just 
You know, I lo- I really really enjoyed the cartoon. Mm-hmm. I I will watch it mm-hmm. if if it's convenient for me. I will watch it. But and thankfully, she's not in it very much. No, she's not so far. No. So 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 I'm willing to let it slide. Mm-hmm. But that was the only like Bob and I were yeah. watching it together, and her her initial scene came on, and we both looked at each other like, eh, <laughs> what was that? Right. Um. But like beyond that, I I would I would definitely say that I'm a fan, and I think it's a it's a good direction for them to take the character i think mm-hmm. it's very uh kid friendly mm-hmm. but at the same time it's got the it's not sophisticated but it's got that spider-man humor to it mm-hmm. yeah. that i've been growing accustomed to and really enjoying mm-hmm. um and just a little quick little side mm-hmm. note about x-men avengers number one mm-hmm. that was completely lacking from spider-man i know he wasn't in it very much yeah. but no good jokes from mm-hmm. spider-man gotcha. so <laughs> you better have them yeah. in issue number two um Bob, it, it's it? it's a 10 I mean, it oh, wow. really was just that good to me. It's classic, just what you said, classic Saturday morning cartoons mm-hmm. from years ago, whether it was the old X-Men or whatever, that sort of feeling. You had glimpses of Steve Ditko, Ditko's Spider-Man on the walls. You had all that sort of thing, some McFarlane stuff going on. He's the really new Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He's very new at this. We jump in right away. We get the flashback to the origins and mm-hmm. little bits and pieces. It's still touching. Mm-hmm. You can see it matters to him. Uh, you get J.K. Simmons as Jonah, yeah, which, which is great. you That's heard great. that right away. But oh, this yeah, got to be him. It's great. The whole idea with Nick Fury about don't you want to be the ultimate Spider-Man, right. not the amazing Spider-Man? Yeah. Introducing heroes I knew. I was I was rattling them off to you. Mm. You know, White yep. Tiger and Luke Cage or whatever yeah. in this new setting, mm-hmm. just brilliant. And mm-hmm. they show up to help. And yeah, the battles were cool. The battles yeah. were cool. Really cool. I I don't think it was a ten for me. I will say this. Um, Sometimes it was a little too manic for me, you know, the point where it kind of it gave me kind of like that stress headache feeling, you know, where I kind of I kind of I, yeah I disengaged a little bit because I was like I just need to take a little break from all of the stuff that's happening right mm-hmm. now. I would agree with that. For, it, there was one or two moments I forgot to mention that there was one or two moments where I felt a little overwhelmed. Right. Yeah. The only thing I'll say for that is I think this show is very much rightfully so, aimed towards kids. If I was a kid watching this show, none of that stuff yeah, would bother completely me. Completely jazzed, yeah. You know, this is awesome. I did like the inclusion of the heroes, and I like that they're not typical heroes. It's not Iron Man and Captain America. It's mm-hmm. Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Cage. You know, and so I think it's really cool. And I th- I like the way that they kind of do the introductions to each person when they so come in Scott new. Scott Pilgrim-y. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. I thought that was cool. Um, I, I liked the voice work for, for pretty much all of it. I thought that the only scenes that I felt were a little bit lacking were kind of the regular web slinging scenes because they looked like the same like building every time he'd swing around. You should have seen the '60s Spider-Man. It was right. the same building <laughs> right. every time. Flopped. But yeah. then the battle scenes were great. The battle scenes worked yeah. really. Well. I liked him using the gadgets. I, I like this idea. Uh, and the thing about him being trained and Nick Fury kind of being like, "You're a bad superhero." Yeah. That's from the Ultimate Universe. That actually yeah. happens. Um, it's a little different, but it's basically the same gist. I love him falling out of the, the <laughs> repeated the so many times. <laughs> yeah, so funny. Um, Web parachute. Yeah, but I will say this: you know, we talked about Green Lantern a couple weeks ago and how it was boring, and this is never boring. It, it's no. it moves fast. It has a lot of plot happening. I I think the action is good. I I think it's a very good kids cartoon. I don't think mm-hmm. that I will sit down and watch. Ultimate Spider-Man on a regular basis, mm-hmm. um, just because I'm not very engaged in the storytelling aspect of it. And when I get engaged in a cartoon, like I like Young Justice because I'm engaged in the storytelling that's happening, and I want to know what's going on with these characters. You know, 
Um, where I, and I feel like that's a much broader show where I feel like this mm-hmm. is broad in, in terms of humor, but not broad in terms of reach to me. But now the thing is, um, you never know where this is going to go because in the quiet moments, mm-hmm. Norman and Harry and Peter in the limousine, yeah. there's really grown up sort of stuff going on in that about who's your dad and smiling and all the rest of it. It is really well done. Absolutely, and I, I think that. Maybe this is the pilot they want to kind of go out, come in with a bang. Mm-hmm. Maybe it got scaled back a little bit as far as like the manicness goes. Mm-hmm. Though I do like the little like, oh, I'm toast. Show him doing toast. Mm-hmm. Or him like an, on a stand-up comedy stage as like a little kid, you know, whatever. Yeah. I, I think it, it, they're really funny things, you know. And, uh, and I, I think that... I think that so much more than the Green Lantern show that we watched is so much a better show for kids to be watching. Absolutely. More inventive, better looking. I like that it's, you know, not 3D. I like that it's 2D animated. Uh, it, it's it was good. It was really good. Indeed. Um so Stephanie, what did you uh, think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> um, She's going to kill me. Yeah. The the second show on the list here is the second season of Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which um has already been on a year. It's been a long time since that show finale aired, and they finally started this year kind of with this block. Um, I've watched the whole first season of the show, so this was very much me continuing a show that I enjoyed. But, um, Bob, what did you think of the show? Not as... I didn't like this as much nearly as Spider-Man. Really? Really. Interesting. Despite the inclusion of the Fantastic Four, who just don't seem like the Fantastic Four to me. Okay. Uh, Reed and Sue, it looks as if they're strangers. Mm-hmm. There's never any feeling that this is someone who they've been married and have kids. And not to be spoiler, but there's kind of a reason for that. You kind of figure out a reason for that by the end of the episode. <sighs> that's another issue for another day. Um, <laughs> because if that's the case, they'd be more. Yeah, I can't say it without ruining. Mm. Forget it. Um, lots of fighting, lots of smashing, lots of stuff blowing up. Um, not didn't hit any buttons for me at all. Okay, Steve, I don't like it either. You guys are fucking crazy, and I'm gonna go over <laughs> a little rant here. Okay, can I say why I didn't like it? I'm gonna let you say we didn't like it for a second, but I'm very angry right now. <laughs> I know that I knew that you would be. Um, we were saying last night, like this is gonna be great radio. <laughs> um, here's the thing: I I liked Ultimate Spider-Man, but I find Ultimate Spider-Man genuinely uninteresting to me. Like, I, I don't plot to plot. I don't find anything to identify in the, in the characters, um, though it's fun. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm watching Avengers Earth My Heroes, I feel like I'm watching a comic book come to life. I, I, I love the voice acting from everybody. I like the relationships between everybody. Um, I, I think the action scenes are great. And maybe, it's, maybe you guys not enjoying the episode is a function of you guys not having watched the other season maybe and not being invested in the characters and coming into the middle of what is basically a big battle episode um, when that's not totally what the show is about, you know, for the most part. But anyway, I didn't mean to see, go ahead and, and see what you would like about it. Sorry. I had, I had to say that. Well, you mentioned the voice acting. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not like the voice for Iron Man. I oh, really? F- I felt like it doesn't suit him at all. Okay. It doesn't sound smart enough distinguished enough. Like even though he's like a billionaire playboy philanthropist, <laughs> philanthropist, <laughs> whole thing. I just there are certain characters that their their voice matches their personality and the look of their character and I just I the the Iron Man voice irked me the whole way through. Okay. Um it's not and I I do agree with you that it felt like you were watching a comic book come to life. I do totally agree with that. However, with that being said and with not having seen the first season, I was really really confused 
It was like picking up in the middle of an arc, mm. or like how you guys told me to pick up Fantastic Four 600. Mm. You were like, listen, you might not know what's going on in the beginning, but mm. just power through it and mm. just keep reading, and eventually you'll catch up. You do that with anything, and eventually right. you're going you're gonna to be on track. Yeah. But to start a new season of a television show that's that big, and you're going to start it with a part two or a continuation of something from the previous season... And you're gonna recap things for me in like two and a half minutes at the beginning, like I, we're not going into we can't I can't say right. anything. Mm. The, but there was an aspect of the episode that they they mentioned it as like a footnote in in the trailer from the previous mm-hmm. season, and at the tail end of the episode, it was like, but there it is again. Yeah. And I had absolutely no idea what it meant whatsoever. Um, and that's my problem with the show is that as a new watcher, as somebody coming into something that I've never seen, it was, in my opinion, the worst jumping on point to get into a television show probably that I've ever seen, especially in an animated show. Okay. Well, but this is, let's say this. I mean, yes, you watch the show as the first episode you've seen of this show, but a show that you watch continuously, let's say True Blood. Yeah. Do you expect the first episode of every season of True Blood to be like, everybody can start watching now? No. Okay. So no, that's, so that's no, a little unfair but, expectation. But if you're going to have us a recap that doesn't point us to the major plot point that yeah. ends this episode. Right. But there's a thing, and I'll just say this is something that obviously you get from watching the show. That moment that you see at the end of the recap, mm-hmm. that you're like, oh, that was literally the last thing you saw last season. That was the last thing that happened. So you have there's no more explanation for what's going on than what they gave you in the end of that. This is still like a mystery. It's supposed to be a mystery to the people watching it. Right. It's going on. I mean, we you know what's going on because mm-hmm. you know the who those those things are. Yeah. But like if you for a kid, he just is kind of involved in the mystery, or somebody watching it the first time is just kind of involved in the mystery of it all. Well, it's not like my my issue with it. I mean, you know me. I'm a huge. I mean, I I write about animation yeah, yeah, for yeah. a job for Joe Blow. So mm-hmm. obviously, I'm very invested in mm-hmm. animation. And I just, I haven't, I've, I've never really come across like a season of an animated show where I had to be, I had to have seen the previous season, mm-hmm. but also like, I don't have a problem with the show. Like the show itself, I think as an Avengers show, I think could be very good, mm-hmm. but um, dropping myself into the show where, where I was, you know, from this episode, mm-hmm. I think just was, was a bad place to start. Gotcha. Okay. Um, if you haven't been watching the show, I, I honestly, I think, I think you'd be really, really confused. That's interesting. Well, that's, that's a good perspective that come from. I mean, I think that's a good perspective. This is, they're launching this new thing. Yeah, right. Because people cool to know that I had seen one episode, one episode. here, yes. and and it was it was a Kang episode, yeah, I think. Yes. Right. Uh, here, where Thor is gone. Yeah, he's in with yeah, yeah. with sort of one little yeah. thing of it, not recapped. Caps shieldless. Mm. Uh, yeah, that was weird. In yeah. the recap, it would, it would be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if you're gonna do, if you're gonna spend the time to do that recap, put the things in it I need. Don't spoil it, but just mm-hmm. say, "Here's this character." Maybe right. it needed to be just a last time on the Avengers mm-hmm. sort of right. Point me to what I need to know instead of me trying to play catch up. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're gonna jump into the middle of a, of a storyline, mm-hmm. I, I think it's tough to pick up. I think the recap was really, really important, mm-hmm. um, especially for new viewers. And I think they kind of dropped the ball on that. Okay. Yeah. I think that if they had better prepared you, like you said, the whole shield thing, mm-hmm. 
Captain America not having his shield is fucking weird. Mm. That's and, a big point. Yeah, like during that, during those couple minutes of recapping, just tell us what happened to the shield mm. because that's something that people are going to notice. It's mm. it's his icon. It's what he, mm. you know, like yeah. whatever you think Captain America, that shield has saved his ass mm-hmm. more times yeah. than anything else probably. Yeah, absolutely. And why is it gone? Mm-hmm. You know, little little things like that. I know you can't explain everything, but as a new viewer, as somebody totally fresh to it, it was a mystery. Mm-hmm. And I felt that I was distracted by the things that I didn't know mm-hmm. more so than the information that I was supposed to be taking in that they were giving me. Right. Like, I was like, okay, that's cool, but why? Mm-hmm. So. Right. Interesting. Like the way it looked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the style is good. Action sequences are good. Um, again, I, I'm a big FF fan. Mm-hmm. Those are not who I want to see somehow. Mm-hmm. So I think they'd have to tweak that. I'm assuming they're going to be part of this series because of what we see at the end. Yeah, probably. Oh, didn't we mention something also about how Captain America almost didn't do anything? Yeah, well, he can't without his shield. <laughs> shield. He's sort he of stuck. Made, he's he just a regular guy. Yeah. I think I'm getting my comic books and my shows confused. Uh, okay. I've been reading a lot of X-Men and Avengers <laughs> yeah. stuff lately, and it's still <laughs> starting to blur together. I would definitely watch one more mm-hmm. just to see where we head, to see if some of those things now that maybe... There'll be more information presented each time to maybe fix it. I, let me just put you at ease because <laughs> no, 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 I'm, 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 I'm fine. I just want to. I was gonna say I, I liked it enough that if the first season was available to me, it's on Netflix. I, watch instantly. I don't. I'm canceling my Netflix. You're crazy. I, I never use it. You're crazy. Um, <laughs> I. Uh, well, you haven't canceled it yet. No, I haven't. So it's on Netflix. Watch instantly. All right. Well. <laughs> Uh, I would watch it. Mm. I would. But I've also been watching Wolverine and the X-Men, mm. which I think is better. I, I would say this. I would say to just go and watch the pilot episode of Avengers or Smite's Heroes, and then maybe next week we'll talk about what you thought What would you thought of that just for a, like a minute or two to right. see what, if your opinions have changed or not. Um, I will say this. I, um, coming from somebody who, anybody out there who's been watching the show who maybe might have missed the premiere or, you know, this is somebody to talk to about it with. Um, I thought it, it it's it. See the exact reason that you had a problem with it is the reasons that I was really into it, which was huh. I, I I watched this first season and the storyline kind of left off on a cliffhanger, and then this season started off right from that cliffhanger, you know, came off, and it feels to me like I'm reading like a uh, an omnibus uh, of a, of a run, you know, and I get to hmm. experience these characters, yes. experience these storylines, and um, I I, re- I really liked the, uh, the the card game. Between uh, that's an old staple, Captain America, the Thing, the Human Torch, and the Hulk. I thought that was like a really funny, and I liked Captain America's like not knowing what certain things were, and, and so I thought that was a good humor playing off of that. And um, yeah, I mean, and I actually really liked. I mean, I, I don't, obviously you're a, a bigger Fantastic Four guy than I am, Bob, so you probably have a differing opinion on this, but I liked the juxtaposition between the way that Tony acts as kind of a genius. And how he's just kind of dwarfed by how much of a genius Reed yeah, is. They're not in the same room, yeah. You know, and that Reed's kind of the way he thinks is so like 6,000 miles an hour that Tony, he's, Tony thinks that Reed's ignoring him, but either Reed's just not answering because he doesn't think he needs to answer, or he's going to answer when he gets to that point. You know, the he, real answer. You know, he so. was closer to what he should be, mm-hmm. but Sue did nothing, mm-hmm. basically. Right. The thing comes off very poorly. Okay. He gets used as a club. He does, by the Hulk. They've gone at it over the years, <laughs> and it, it's never turned into that. Right. 
no matter where the Hulk was at whatever level, it was not sort of that one-sided. Mm-hmm. It was very slapsticky, that part. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I felt like it kind of demeaned the thing a little bit. But I, that, maybe that was the point. Yeah, maybe. I don't know that he's to be demeaned. Well, by the Hulk, I mean. <laughs> yeah. No, you but it, it's... Yeah. Childish, which is silly to say about a cartoon, I <laughs> <Yeah>. suppose. <laughs> it's childish. Um, but... I will uh, uh, the the first season does a really good job of kind of um doing an arc that kind of has a very big huge beginning middle and end and this seems to be taking off from the end of that which I'm very excited about the the finale of season 1 is this crazy like multi-dimensional you know in Asgard in the underworld and all these other places battle which is just you know fantastic mm-hmm. and to to come right off it and do this and to introduce I mean what do you think of Doctor Doom is the villain in this yeah, he's okay. It's uh, oh boy, <laughs> I I we Steve and I watched a an episode of the '90s show that I know you didn't care much for. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll ask you now, as someone who came to that and never having saw one, that Doctor Doom. Um, I thought as a villain, I thought he was okay in the in the new one. I mean, I'm not. I'm not too familiar with Doctor Doom. I mean, you have to remember, Fantastic Four, all I have to go on is Christian from Nip Tuck. Yeah. <laughs> so, you yeah, get that, yeah. You know, I'm not really much of an authority on it, but I mean, as far as him being threatening, yeah. I also think that he makes the class... I mean, I don't understand why they always leave the uh, the scene of, like, the, the hero's destruction. Mm-hmm. They never stick around to make sure that it actually takes... You know, they'll they'll rig the island to blow, but then they'll fly away. Of course. You know? Like you don't have a bunker that you <laughs> that you could hide out it's in and Jam- then like, it's James Bond. It's it's like the hatch in Lost. Mm-hmm. Like you can't go into the hatch, wait for hell to blow over, then poke your head out, be like, Are they dead? <laughs> Sweet. You know? Um no, I you know, it they were very different, the the nineties one mm-hmm. versus the one that we watched. Um, especially since Fantastic Four, the nineties one, that was their show. So you got much more of a sense of their teamwork and who they are, mm. how they work together, all that stuff. Um, but if you're going to use a group like this as your main guest star, they need to be elevated to the same level. Otherwise, they're right, but this scenery. Is, this yeah, is but, the second time they've been on the show. I mean, I'm sure they're going to have time to be established. What I did like about it was that Dr. Doom kicked major ass when mm. he got attacked by all of those heroes. And I think it's a really... It's really nice to see that because mm-hmm. the the general consensus of Doctor Doom is what Steve was saying is the character from the movies. Uh, that, what that, does he do? Just, what is his? I, I probably sound so. What, people his, listening to this are probably his like, powers. No, no, power, his powers or yeah. Yeah, what, what, he, is, what he does. What does he do? He really doesn't have any superpowers except yeah, he I, may be the second smartest person in the Marvel universe. Yeah. Okay. So robotics and inventions mm. or whatever. He is actually the child of a gypsy witch. So there is a mystical element to what he does, mm-hmm. but not a whole lot. It comes out every now and again. But it's that armor and the weaponry within it and the fact yeah. he owns his own country, basically, mm-hmm. and can use the resources of an entire nation to fight off everybody. Mm-hmm. And one-on-one, he can take on the Thing and the Hulk and mm-hmm. maybe not Thor, right? Yeah. but just about everybody else mm-hmm. in a pure power Why? fight. What's so different about Thor? Because Thor's mystical. Mystical and the hammer and everything else. Yeah. But I in like a, Thor. In a yeah. pure fight, Mm-hmm. He has all sorts of protection and force fields, and he'll come up with something and a way out of any situation. Right. Which is what I liked about that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like, and I like the whole wrinkle of him owning his own country. 
Like, yeah, that part's cool. Diplomatic community. Yeah, it's, it's interesting <laughs> to say the well, least. With Stan's point, he could. It's not against the law to conquer another country. You can right. get a ticket for jaywalking, but yeah. you won't get a ticket for trying to take over the world. But why is he fighting the the Avengers? Well, we got to figure that out. Okay, we got to find that out. That thing be answered in one episode. But um, so that's pretty much what we think of the the, the uh, Marvel Universe on Disney XD. Mm-hmm. I will say this: I watched it on Disney XD, and um, talk about overwhelming. The amount of ads and the way the ads are communicated on that channel, like I feel like an old man watching them. The ba- it, like, like banners ass- and stuff. Yeah, it assaults my senses. Like the I even hate those. It's just, it's just crazy. What they do um, have is a really cool thing. I saw this really cool feature that was in the commercials. That was it was Joe Casada, you know, and like the Disney XD mm-hmm. guy. And Joe Casada was just talking about how he draws the Hulk, and he was he drew a Hulk while they were sitting there, and oh. it was just him talking about. You know the 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 kind of the the strategies and the brushstrokes and all in the and it was really cool and and what I really like about it is they do these things in the in the commercial breaks where they go like they profile a hero and they did Hawkeye or and they did and it's I think it's a really cool way to get kids to know more of the larger Marvel universe which is what I really like about Ultimate Spider-Man bringing in those other heroes you know I like I like that a lot. so I think that they're doing it right as far as all that stuff goes. Well, I think their two shows are much better. Right. Because Spider-Man is so much better than Green Lantern. It's true. It's true. Yeah. That if the other two were mm-hmm. equivalent, mm-hmm. Young Justice and yeah. Avengers, but Green Lantern was so miserable. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It was so ugly. It was really ugly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, they do this thing, which might not make you happy, Bob, but they do this thing called Marvel Mashup, where they take old Marvel cartoons mm-hmm. and they put new voices um, it could of, be funny. Kind of, it, I, it was, I, I, what I saw them was funny. There what, was a, what did they do so far? I, there was just there was a Hulk one, and there and there was one with Doctor Doom where he's. He, 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 so I don't know what's, what happened in the episode, but there's like rainbows shooting up behind behind him. Oh, I don't know what that one and is. And he's like, I will make rainbows, and it's, just, it's a really <laughs> funny. It's, it was funny. It's a. I mean, it's cute. Um, so that's it for our talk about the Marvel Universe. And let us know what you think uh, at Talking Comics. Uh, info at talkingcombooks.com or talkingcombooks.com. So let's get on to today's releases. Um, from Dark Horse, we have Creepy, number eight. That's creepy. And that's pretty much it. We also have Classic Marvel Characters, number five, Doctor Strange. From Dark Horse? From Dark Horse. I don't know why they're allowed to do stuff like that, but interesting. Hmm. Um, from DC, we have Action Comics, number eight. We have... Animal Man number eight. Yeah, yeah. We have American Vampire number twenty-five. Nice. We have Batwing number eight. Detective Comics number eight. Yes. We have Ferrist number two. Yes. We have Green Arrow number eight. Hawk and Dove number eight. Final issue. Aw. I Zombie number twenty-four. Justice League International number eight. Looney Tunes number two hundred six. Men of War number eight. Night Force number two of six. OMAC number eight. Final, Final issue. issue. I believe Men of uh, War actually has uh, uh, Frankenstein in at this issue. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, that's funny. Um, Red Lanterns, number eight. Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, number 20. Rude. Static Shock, number eight. <laughs> Stormwatch, number eight. Yeah. And um, Swamp Thing, number eight. Yeah. Crazy. Cr- and Sweet Tooth, number 32. So there we go on that. Um, from Dynamite, we have Boys, number 65. We have Garth Ennis' Jennifer Blood, number 11. We have Kirby Genesis, number 6. We have Lone Ranger, number 4. Queen Sonya, number 28. Voltron, year 1, number 1. In case you were wondering the secret origin of Voltron, there you go. That's something you just gotta know. Yeah, Warehouse 13, number 5. 
Witchblade Red Sonia, number two. From IDW, we have Three Days of Night, number six. We have G.I. Joe, number 12. We have Infestation 2, 30 Days of Night, one shot. <sighs> From Image, we have Carbon Gray Origins, number two of two. We have Chew, yeah. number 25. Um... I just accidentally went away from the page that I was just on. <laughs> I feel like some of these issues have already come out. Like American Vampire 25, I have that already. Really? Yeah. Maybe it was the second printing. It's tough to tell sometimes on these lists. Yes, it is. Um, we have Chew number 25, Danger Club number one, Fatal number four, Hell Yeah number two, Invincible number 90, we have Mudman number three. Savage Dragon, number 179, Spawn, number 218, Supreme, number 63, and Whispers, number two. Hell fucking yeah. Which we can find a review of up on Books. That book is fantastic. We have, from Marvel, we have Age of Apocalypse, number two. We have Amazing Spider-Man, number 683. We have Avengers Academy, number 28. We have Avengers vs. X-Men, number one. Which you can find a review of on the site and or listen to our discussion about it. I've heard that's a big book. I heard it's a pretty big the, book. Uh, also, the Avengers Academy, that's the second part to the crossover of Avengers Academy meets the Runaways. Yes. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant, number three. Yeah, yeah. Finally. Um, Casanova, Avriatisha, number three. What? I don't know. Just <laughs> keep going. Daredevil, number 10.1. Um, Fear Itself, The Fearless, number 12 of 12. Hulk, number 50, which apparently, if you're looking to read the Hulk, it's apparently a good jump-on issue. It's the start of a new arc. Um, they're actually Ooh. advertising it as a good issue to jump on. So, Which means it probably isn't, but okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, have, we actually have the comic versions of, of Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Just like oh. they do for Ultimate Spider-Man. Don't have all ages books. It's important. Yeah. New Mutants number 40. We have Thunderbolts number 172. It's my one book of the week. Toy Story number two. Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number nine. Yay. Venom number 15. Wolverine and the X-Men. Yes. Number eight. And X-Club number five of five. And um, other than that, you have Grim Fairy Tales number 71 from Zenoscope. They are pumping those. I swear, I think every week there's a new Grimm <laughs> book. Uh, Grim Fairy Tales presents The Library, number five. Hey! Um, and Waking Dream End, number one. Hell yeah, I've been waiting for that. Cool. Now, now if you could just start writing uh, Fly again, Zenoscope, <laughs> I'd be very pleased. So there you go, Zenoscope. Do what Steve says. <laughs> yes. All right. So um, that is it for our show for this mm. week. Um, I already gave our information out, so I'll have to do that. Um, you look at me like I'm forgetting something, Steve. No, I just I'm getting ready for my stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so please you do it. Yeah, you don't want me to do it. For Bob. Good evening, Steve. See you later, Stephanie. Toodaloo. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>